What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. This is Jerry Jones, and you're listening to Roster Watch. Ladies and gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the epic Roster Watch podcast brought to you by rosterwatch.com. My name is Alex Dunlap here for a very special edition of the pod with one of the great friends of Roster Watch, an OG Roster Watch family. His name is Mike Band. You can find him on Twitter at MBandNFL. You can find his content uh, over at NextGenStatsNFL.com. He's got some uh, awesome articles up right now. Don't you should not miss his can't miss prospects and his high risk prospects based on their analytic profiles. Mike has a background in scouting where he was Mike, why don't you just tell him about your background? Cause I don't know what I'm allowed to say and what I'm not. It, 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 it used to all be such a secret. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, good to be back with you. Um, I remember we met years ago back on the, uh, the, the senior <laughs> bowl and combine circuit uh, no, like a decade uh, ago, it was like a, a decade, decade ago. ago. It's, it's incredible. Uh, how you were far. still you were you were fresh out of you were fresh out of undergrad. Fresh out of undergrad, right before I joined the uh, the Vikings scouting department. And uh, God, I remember those days meeting up at the combine every year, having a drink at Highline or uh, whatever that bar was. It's just you know it was a good time to to always connect with you guys. And you know, especially now this time of year, it's it's the week of it's draft week. <laughs> this is a guy, our friend Michael Yeager, man, in the chat saying <laughs> to let you out of your underground cell. That's where that's what we talked. We used to talk to those Vikings uh, scouts at yeah. pro days and we'd be like, what are you guys doing with Mike Band, man? Go easy on him. And they're like, no, man, we just we just stick him down underground and <laughs> have him pound out these scouting reports for us. But, yeah, got a bunch of great uh, education there. And, of course, went on to do everything you've done in the analytics world. We're always so proud of you, brother. And, Always great to see and and hear your voice. I know that a bunch of people are. Um, it's going to be a welcome uh, a welcome sight and a welcome sound to see and hear from you. So uh, we're here with Mike as usual. We do the top ten mock draft with him every year. Where we, you know, Mike and I both do the huddle report competition. Mike always uh, uh, fares a little bit better than I do, but I get a lot of help from his uh, research and uh, some of his suggestions during this podcast because really putting together the top 10, Mike, is, is what really sets the stage and sets the table for the rest of the for the rest of the draft. And it feels like with this one, I honestly think starting at four, things start getting a little bit weird and weird and squirrely. Um, I know that you kind of have some different theories about it. We're, we'll, we'll get to all of it, but just your general overall thoughts on the class before we start this top 10 mock. Uh, your thought, you've been doing mock after mock after mock after mock. Are there any common themes that you see coming up or, or um, just kind of anything different this year with how 
you're so good at collecting this information, right? And and generally you have all the info about, you know, who's visited where, what who is who has been talking to who, what who's been reported as having interest here. This year's different with everything, everything. Um, right. you know, the medicals to, to the to the visits to the visits to to um to how these teams might be reacting to players who might carry a higher risk profile when they haven't ever gotten to get them in the building yet. If they haven't gotten a good medical on them, if they haven't been to the combine, like there's just, there's a million different reasons for this draft to be a little bit weird and unpredictable this year. What are some general themes that you've noticed that are um, kind of going into what you're projecting in this first round? Yeah, it comes down to connecting all the dots, uh, you know, putting together the pieces of information that are out there. Some of them are false. Some of them are are simply smoke. But there's definitely a lot of truth out there in some of this buzz, in some of these rumors. Connecting the dots, trying to figure out what all these teams would do in these situations, trying to evaluate what they've done historically. Uh, You know, even without these private workouts, even without these top 30 visits, um, there's definitely still buzz out there to to find and to mine for the right research that, you know, trying to connect the right players to the right teams and trying to predict this thing from the front end. It's going to be a tough year, just like you said, you know, uh, from a standpoint of, of trying to slot the guys to, to each spot. Uh, you know, it's going to come to a lot of, of breaking down these teams from a, from a schematic standpoint, try, uh, I, I think these offensive tackles trying to figure out what they're, where they go and where they fit best is a, is a fun uh, fun task. Trying to figure out where their wide receivers will go. Um, do any of them go in the top 10? Uh, there's a lot of questions. We certainly don't have as many answers as we usually do during this part of the process. But, yeah, I'm excited to get rolling and trying to talk out what these teams might do with each of their picks. All right. Well, let's just start out then, because at number one, we have the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, clearly, that's I, I mean, do we need to talk too much about about uh, about Joe Burrow? Just, you know, was the leader of basically the best college offense I've ever seen in my life. Um, I, I said ever since he played Texas, I just I, I just I said to I, I said to myself, um, I, I would. I would take that guy over to a, <laughs> I said that in the second game of this, of this last season, after I saw what he was a, just a, a, able to, you know, that wasn't even his, his best game. That guy got better uh, throughout the, throughout the season, but just his ability to just dissect and slice and dice and, you know, find those hot reads. It really was something to behold Joe Burrow to, I mean, do we even really need to talk much about it? What do you, what do you, what do you have on Joe Burrow? I'm, I'm assuming that's, that's going to be my pick. So let's, let's block it in for Alex's Joe Burrow to the Cincinnati Bengals at number one. Are, are you staying with the chalk or you got something weird up your sleeve? Staying with the chalk. It's hard to find anybody who doesn't think that this pick's going to happen. Uh, you know, whether or not they keep Andy Dalton on the $17 million contract that they owe him this year. Uh, they can cut him without any dead money, but whether or not they've got the cap space to keep him on potentially in a backup role uh, would be definitely an interesting move. Uh, what makes Joe Burrow special is what he can do when the play breaks down. Uh, his downfield accuracy, uh, his moxie, his competitiveness, uh, his overall confidence in his ability. Uh, you talk about the it factor. I think he does have it. Uh, and he helps you compete with the likes of Lamar Jackson and, and Baker Mayfield in a, in a tough young division. Uh, Joe Burrow, number one of the Bengals, looks like a 
chalk, and you could probably write it in pen at this point in the process. And they, dude, and they get they get him back in. They get and they get Jonah, right? Or they get right. Jonah from last year. Right. Two top two top ten pick or two awesome picks for me for fantasy. It really, if they can get the deal done with with Joe Mixon. He's going to be coming into a lot better situation uh, this, this 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 next season. So, um, very very interesting there. Uh, or it's probably not interesting that it's Joe Burrow. That's not what the people are tuning into here. Um, at, at at Washington, though, some people think that they might be they they could go quarterback. We know that Dwayne Haskins sucks. Um, what do you well, do? Do you think Haskins sucks? I think you got to give Haskins a chance. Uh, you know, whether or not you can say that the offense last year was necessarily built for him to succeed, I uh, didn't have many receivers to throw to. His offensive line broke down towards the end of the season. Uh, it, it, I think the jury's still out on Haskins. I think he put on his Ohio State tape and what he did in that West Coast passing system. Uh, I think they're definitely going to give him another shot, and I think that this is also uh, a pen or a pick in pen where you can slot Chase Young to the Redskins uh, with the second pick. The, the, the simply clear best player available after Joe Burrow uh, on the board. Chase Young, the defensive end, edge rusher out of, uh, out of Ohio State. And yeah, to me, it's just like, you know, um, Michael Lombardi talks about it, former NFL executive Michael Lombardi and a dude who's super plugged in, but – just besides being super plugged in, I like to listen to him on his podcast, the GM shuffle, um, because I'm a huge, I'm a huge fan of his book, gridiron genius. And in that book, um, he talks about, uh, you know, building teams by, by strength on strength. That was a big Al Davis kind of right. uh, deal. And, and just the strength of that, the strength of that Redskins team is a good, young, pedigree front seven, uh, great defense. You have a new defensive-minded head coach and Ron Rivera coming in there. The kid like Chase Young. I mean, people like from what I've seen of Chase Young, I think I, I think I like Nick. I think I like Nick Bosa better. Do you like him? How do you compare him to the to the? Where does Chase Young fit to you is with the Bosa brothers? Because I think for me, it might go Nick Bosa, Chase Young, Joey Bosa. At this point, I think you might. They even have to put Chase Young ahead of the ahead of the brothers, and and it comes from the standpoint of what he offers athletically. I think Bosa, the Bosa brothers themselves, are, are very similar in that they're a speed to power, uh, win with bull rush and win win with speed. But Chase Young's got that freak athleticism, and he's got that juice. He's got the explosiveness. I think he could be one of the best edge rushers in the game. Uh, almost immediately, and you're right when you do put him across. Uh, from other talents like uh, like Ryan Kerrigan and Montez Sweat, and you've already got Jonathan Allen there, and you've got uh, the depth that they have on the Redskins front seven. Uh, it's it definitely f- helps solve an area of weakness last year, which was the pass defense. Now they certainly have other needs uh, across other positions across their roster. You've got needs at corner. You've got needs at offensive tackle. If Trent Williams has come back, uh, but Chase Young's just too good to pass up it too. Yeah, yeah, and you, I mean, and you didn't mention all. I mean, Payne. I forget Payne's first name. Yeah, Durant. Durant Payne. Durant. Yeah, he 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 was a first first rounder to himself. Right? So that's yeah. Like that's pretty. That's salt. That's salty, dude. Uh, and I'm and I'm with you all all the way. I think that I think if I honestly I think if Cincinnati didn't have such a need. 
uh, at the quarterback position that, I mean, he'd be in the, he'd be in the cards there for a home state sort of pick, right. For the, for the, for the Bengals. So uh, right there with you, let's move on to the next one here. And that is the Detroit lions at three. I'm under the impression that if Bob Quinn could find a trade partner, he wants to trade down. Um, But he said in meetings this week, like it's pretty telling for that guy to say like, Look, it takes it takes two to tango. Uh, you know, it, it takes. I I I'm not sure there's interest. I'm not sure that there's interest in trading up to this spot. Um, it would seem like there could be interest though to get at least ahead of let's see, pick five, what picks five and picks five and six that are quarterback picks. If you did. Um, if you did covet one of these guys, if you liked a Justin Herbert, a to a, t- a, t- a tongue of Iloa, et cetera. Yeah, uh, it's this seems like either it's uh, a trade down scenario like uh, the Chargers moving up from six to three. So it really comes down to do these teams, do the Dolphins and Chargers specifically believe that the other is interested in their quarterback of choice? Do the Chargers believe if they want Tua that the Dolphins will take Tua at five? If so, you're going to have to jump the Dolphins at five to get to number three. Uh, Same with the Dolphins. If you believe that you confidently believe in uh, Herbert or Tua, uh, you might you certainly have the capital to move up uh, to three to ensure that you get your guy. But in the end, I think they're not going to necessarily have the 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 trade partner that's going to give up the Kings' ransom to move up for their quarterback uh, and. In the end, they stay at three and take uh, the top quarterback on the board in Jeff Okuda. Uh, you know, you, you look at the Patriots' way. Uh, that, that's really how the Lions have built uh, their team under Bob Quid and, and Matt Patricia. And, you know, a lot of signs point to, uh, you know, building out in the trenches. So don't rule out a player like Derek Brown. But in the end, Jeff Okuda just solves a need that, they're look, that, they, uh, that they have at the cornerback position. Uh, they let they traded Desmond, uh, excuse me, Darius Slay to the Eagles earlier this offseason. So there's a clear need there. Uh, you know whether or not they're able to make a trade uh, down to six, they could still get Okuda. But in the end, they have to stay at three because there's not enough uh, a potential buyer uh, for the right price. They definitely, they definitely want to. They they would love to trade to six. That, that that's that's having your cake and eating it too. Um, we have Michael Yeager again asking maybe the Eagles move up that high to grab rugs. Uh, I don't, I don't think that that's realistic at all. I think they'll, I think that they could probably, there are different spots that they can move up once we get past 10. I think. Yeah. On that, on that note, uh, I think you might not see very many teams looking to move up to get a receiver. The class is so, so deep. deep that it's not worth it to, say, move up from 21 all the way into, you know, potentially the top 10 uh, area for a receiver. The Broncos, I've, I've heard, could be a team that could try to move up to get their guy, whether that's Jerry Judy or Henry Ruggs uh, is unclear. But uh, if, if teams move up to make a trade for these top guys, it'll be for the guys at premium positions like quarterback or offensive tackle more so than the depth than the deep position of receiver. I I'm picking Jeff Okuda too. And he's, he's just, he's, he's, he's awesome. I mean, I've, 
I've watched him dating back to high school, you know, at these camps here around Texas. He was trained by my trained by my buddy, Coach Clay Mack, ever since he was like in eighth grade, just a skill specific monster and a dude who's just very, very, very clean as a prospect. They need him. Did the did the Lions recently got Desmond Trufant, right? Um, they did. They so did. You know, that's a good that's a good duo. I'm but you know, Desmond Trufant doesn't automatic because it's him and what is it? Is do they still have Justin Coleman? Coleman's so, still yeah. there, but you but you need yeah. three. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah. Hey, I've I've got an idea for you. Crazy trade scenario. I know it's, it it got rumored and thrown out there. If you, uh, uh, it's just a rumor, but I thought the idea was fun. Could you envision a world where the Patriots trade up from twenty three to three with their former colleague? Oh, yeah, they trade twenty three. Colleagues, they trade 23 and Stephon Gilmore to the Lions for the third overall pick to take Justin Herbert. It's, oh, I'll, yeah, I'm not saying I it's, I, I, it, 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 it's, it's, a, it's a theory that could make sense on both sides. Well, whether it's going to happen is probably, probably not. That's uh, too much. It's too much. Too much. Can't I mean, wait, Gilmore? It, well, you're paying him 15 million uh, a year already on the on the cap uh, on the contract that you just gave him, and really, when it comes down to it, the quarterback position trumps all when when it comes to trying to solve that position. If you're the Lions and you come out of the of the first round with 23 and Stephon Gilmore, you know you're definitely going to be thinking about it. Oh God, yeah. I mean, you're like, well, we got cornerback solved, like it's solved. <laughs> we didn't get the young kid, and it's going to be expensive, but. Um, that would be if the Patriots felt very strongly about Herbert. I know that there is talks if they'd be in the play to to trade up for a sliding Tua, um, but whether or not Herbert would be even available past the fifth pick, you'd have to get up to three if you wanted to make that move. Okay. Well, look, my pick my pick here is Jeff Okuda. I'm not going to be I'm not going to be buying into the buying into the idea that they're are moving up for Herbert, but boy, what a man, we need some action right now. Right. Like, wouldn't that be just awesome? Like people would, that would be we, fun. We, we need something like that right now. Um, okay. Uh, next pick here. We have the, all right. So we have the New York giants, David Gettleman, hopefully gets his zoom going and up correctly. And look to me, it's like, when you look at the, you look at the giants team needs, it, it's, it just, it's, it's, it seems like tackle has been a need that they've tried addressing. They've since Gettleman's been there. Now they have a chance to basically take their pick of any of these guys. Um, to me, I'll just, I'll just say it. I think that I, I think a Gettleman type guy, just when I've noticed Gettleman and just from the giants in general as well, just organ, organizationally under the, un, under the Maras, they like these big, these big players uh, through the through 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 the trenches it's like when i think of giants traditional guys and i know pars we talked about it beforehand i know that parcells and and uh, dave gettleman didn't necessarily cross paths there with that organization but jesus i mean he was there for however many years right after parcells that that shit was still pretty much ingrained in the culture i think that the beckton kid um is a is is a is a gettleman type pick do you think that I'm you know way off and maybe mocking him there what do you even think they're going to tackle like what do you what do you think 
Yeah, so I, I do think that they are going to go with the with, with the tackle. Uh, so my projection of what their board looks like is this: I think that their that their board looks like Jedrick Wills, the tackle from Alabama, Tristan Wirfs, the tackle from Iowa, and then Isaiah Simmons. I think the pick is coming down to those three. Beckton does have some intriguing traits. Uh, you know, he's he's by he's a three hundred and sixty pound freak. Uh, really with left tackle, right tackle flexibility. When it comes down to it, I think it's going to come down to familiarity. Uh, Joe Judge, the new head coach in, in New York, just uh, said recently that that familiarity uh, with these players and being able to trust your, your connections is going to be a huge factor uh, without these private workouts and private meetings uh, when getting to know these kids. Joe Judge has a, a long history at, at the University of Alabama, uh, you, you connect Joe Judge uh, to Belichick and all the way to Saban. Belichick loves to draft from Alabama, uh, loves to take in, uh, take in the, the advice that he gets from the Alabama coaches. Uh, I really think that when it comes down to it, familiarity wins out. Jedrick Wills, you can, you can plug in right away at right tackle. You leave Nate Solder at left tackle for at least one more year. Uh, he's cuttable after next year, but the $16 million dead money number uh, for Nate Solder means that he's going to be on your roster. I don't think you move him over to right tackle, which is how it narrows it down to the right tackle uh, prospects, which are who are Wills and Wirfs. Uh, so when it comes down to it, I, I think Wills is the guy. I could totally see Isaiah Simmons in any other year if right tackle wasn't such a priority that Isaiah Simmons would be an, an ideal fit, an ideal type of prospect that Gettleman does crave, the ultimate what-can-you-do-for-me type prospect. Uh, but show me end, what he can do. Show me what he can do. Remember, we, uh, <laughs> yeah. we sat right behind him at the Senior Bowl yeah. that one day listening yeah. to his – his theories on the draft, um, yeah. and, and it definitely comes up in, in, in the type of prospects that he, he drafts. But when it comes down to it, you got to protect your number one asset that you just invested uh, the sixth overall pick in last year, and that's Daniel Jones. Protect Daniel Jones. They haven't done that yet in uh, in this offseason. They do it with the fourth overall pick. All right, so we get to five here, and it becomes interesting because I'm looking at the prop over on mybookie.ag about Justin Herbert. Um, the over under for him is set at pick 5.5 right now. A juice on the, a small bit of juice on the over at minus 135 for over the fit 5.5. Uh, for but for under, it's still minus uh, 105. So, pretty, I mean, it's it isn't it isn't juiced too heavily, really, either way. It's not like he, he's a favorite, uh, or it, it isn't like he's an underdog for really either of these. It's it's pretty close, but probably a little bit more action. Uh, on him maybe going a little bit after maybe him going pick six or after do you have just do you believe all year we've come to believe tank for Tua and then the senior bowl happens and Tua's medical concerns happen and the pandemic happens where these guys can't get their hands on the players to get their team physicians to look at them um is it Herbert here are you uh, and, and if so is it like is that in pen for you at this point it's definitely not in pen, but uh, just trying to <laughs> yeah. trying to play the role of putting your you know putting on uh, uh, the same ha- the same hat that uh, GM Chris Greer and head coach Brian Flores are going through. They armed up. They have fourteen picks in this draft class. 
Um, they've definitely made it clear that they're looking for their franchise quarterback and he's not on roster. Is it Justin Herbert or is it Tua that is the number two quarterback on their board or, you know, after Burrow? My guess is that it's Herbert. And the reason is a lot to do with the, the type of uh, decisions that the Dolphins have made in recent, you know, throughout this rebuilding phase uh, since Brian Flores came on. I think there's a lot to like about Herbert. I think, you know, from a consistent, uh, consistency standpoint, you know, throughout his careers, four-year starter, uh, pretty accurate, really good head on his shoulders. I think that there's a lot of reason that a team could fall in love with him. Uh, and then there's, conversely, enough reason that would push to uh, uh, down or at least take him to a point where there's enough risk associated with the pick that he's not your guy. If you have a risk aversion, uh, to say the medical, if you have a risk aversion to his durability as a whole, he's, he doesn't have that big of a frame. You know, he, he definitely uh, puts himself in situations where he takes a lot of hits. If you have that risk aversion, you there is a world where you can rank Justin Herbert as a as a uh, as a better long term fit for your scheme and for what you're trying to do than Tua. Let's remember the Dolphins uh, hired Chan Gailey as their offensive coordinator. You know, the prototypical. Uh, you know, shotgun, uh, quick passing game. I think that fits what Herbert does more than it fits to his game. So in the end, I think Justin Herbert is the pick for the Dolphins. They stay at five and pass on tank for two. Do you think, but that would mean, do you think they're in love with Herbert? You got to love him. You got to love him. And and, and that's, that's what all this quarterback, you know, the, the QB uh, merry-go-round, the QB carousel, that is the off season. You got to love your guy. Uh, and from all indications, there's no reason to think that the Dolphins uh, aren't the Dolphins leaning towards Herbert isn't uh, you know isn't the truth. Well, what about just what do you think of like in all your research? Have you not even heard any whispers of like if Werfs is available here or if Andrew Thomas is available here or Wills or or one of these one of these tackles? I mean, they traded away Laramie Tunsil last year. They got back Julian Davenport, who sucks. I mean. What, what do you what do you think? I, I mean, could they could they maybe say, dude, we're going to go off and we're we're going to take a mulligan this year. We thought it was going to be tank for two, and now two is kind of injured. Like we began to have more problems. He's kind of a little bit shorter than everybody, a little bit shorter and slider than everybody sort of thought. There's an extra deal now where it's not just the hip. There's also two injuries that previously we might have not been disclosed with the fifth metatarsal, like. Is it like? Does it have to be quarterback? It, does it doesn't it have to. It, it it doesn't have to be quarterback. If it, it, it all comes down to the process, if just like you said a minute ago, if you don't love these guys, then you're not taking them. And that's how a lot of these quarterbacks end up falling on the, in the first round of the draft. Is is that you know there's not enough there's there's no one to catch them uh, after their you know, the, the teams that don't need one. Um, but when it comes down to it, I just don't think that they're in a position or, or that they're going to set themselves up for a next year's draft, right? So you always have to look ahead. We know we have two, Trevor Lawrence in that year's class, but the way, that, the way that they have attacked free agency, the way that they brought in a lot of high-priced free agents, uh, it, it definitely indicates to me that they're willing to sort of buy in now and not necessarily wait to next year to start their whole rebuilding phase. So that's why I think quarterbacks to play. If 
if offensive te- if it's not a quarterback, if you don't take a quarterback at five, then you're not taking one at eighteen, and you're not taking one at twenty six. Unless for I- you what know? about what, what about if they've like to say what if they said like well look we got Fitzpatrick this year I think the, 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 is Rosen still even on contract with them or I, I don't even know what that is like I'm not even considering him as part of is he still on contract Rosen he, he is still under contract okay so I mean what, what if they what if they said like dude we 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 like Jordan Love they could I mean they, you know like if there was something like that yeah. where I mean I don't know I, it, like yeah. Personally, I don't see the the uh, the top twenty love for Jordan Love uh, for like I don't either. There. I, I don't. Yeah, and, I don't either. Yeah, yeah. And, and when you try to break down who the Dolphins or or even try to say who the Patriots would uh, would evaluate highly and, and the traits that they look for, because that's what they're trying to do here with Brian Flores as a head coach. They're trying to emulate the Patriot way: high character, high work ethic. You know, building a culture. Um, and, and to me, that screams, you know, that screams Herbert. And, I think you're and, talking me into it. I you think you're talking me into it. Yeah. But I, you gotta love him, you know? Yeah, so we'll you gotta just, love him. we'll just, we'll just see if they love him. Um, all right. So I'm going to go with you here. I was going to go non-chalky there, but I'm going to enter my pick here in our sheet. Uh, Justin Herbert, let's send him. All right. And so that, what that takes us to is the Chargers and this for me is simple because if two is there it feels like uh, that's the that's probably their guy uh, it's 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 chalky what we're what, what we're doing um I feel like you and I might diverge here after this but I think you like two out of the Chargers as, as well it seems like it just kind of makes sense it does you know the the way that the Chargers approached uh rebuilding the offensive line they uh they signed uh uh, Brian Bulaga. They traded for Trey Turner. That's a right tackle, a right guard. Uh, what do you do with one. the left? What do you do with the left-handed quarterback? Their blind sides on the right side. So I think it just makes sense what they're trying to do. Um, a, a lot of times, you know, they've got Tyrod Taylor uh, as their as their current starter. I think a big part of what you do when you're looking for a quarterback is you try to put your starter and your backup, and you try to have them have similar traits. Uh, because when you build a scheme around some guys, you want them to uh, to follow some of the similar type of uh, skills that they that they uh, that they excel at. And for Tyrod Taylor, for Tua, it's you know plays on the move, a lot of play action, a lot of quick passing game, a lot of some RPO work. I think when you put all the things together, I think that's what links Tua as the best fit for the Chargers. Uh, I've got it in pencil now, um, but man, if the Chargers pass on two at six because of the injury history, who knows where he'll go on draft day? Yeah, yeah, I agree, man. Um, let's move on to the next one. I think I don't, I don't know where our sheet. Well, I think it's Carolina. Is it Carolina? Yeah, so Carolina at seven. We have Luke Keekley now gone. I, I know that that leads a lot of people to say Isaiah Simmons. I might still say say Isaiah Simmons. I'm interested to interested to sort of see what you think, though, because I, what position does Isaiah Simmons even going to play? He's not going to come in and play, he's not going to come in and play. He's not going to be like the to the Mike that Luke Keekley was. I mean, he's more, he looks more like a safety to me that you're bringing to the box on. You know, on these maybe when you go to dime, he moves to linebacker. Um, 
Wait, like, how do you see Isaiah Simmons? I mean, clearly he's 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 one of my favorite players in the in the draft. I think he's I think he's awesome. I think he's a prototype that a lot of teams that have these sort of tweener type players can can uh, go with. But I'm, I, I mean, it's just. To, for the people who say that they replaced Keekly, that doesn't that doesn't add up to me. He just feels like yeah. he's a different breed of player. Yeah, you know they still have Shaq Thompson, who they just paid last year to to sort of take the uh, the Mike Will position. But I think you're right. I think Isaiah Simmons does offer that that uh, rover linebacker versatility, where you know there are there there is this role now uh, in today's uh, NFL. Uh, who are the guys that are, that are, that are doing this the best Malcolm Jenkins for the Eagles, a box safety. who you put in a dime linebacker in passing situations, you can match them up on tight ends. Uh, uh, Derwin James is a, is a similar type mm-hmm. of player. Landon yeah. Collins even has a similar type of, of skill set. So really you're drafting a box safety who can line up all around the formation, can blitz in, in, in passing downs, can drop off and cover linebackers in space. When it comes down star. to it, and he's, he's a star. A star. You, you, he's you a build star. around these guys, and, and Rule's yeah. trying, to, trying to build a winning culture. He's from a winning program. Uh, everybody knows that the most important thing at Dabo Swinney's program is the culture. He, he's, he's built an incredible culture there at Clemson. It's one of the reasons they're, just, they're, they're kicking ass and taking names right now is just – like Matt, Matt rules all about the process. He's all about building all about a culture. Like right. we've seen it at every stop. It's like, he's like, I don't care in the year one record, got to build a culture year two records, always a little bit better year three. He's like, you know, playing for championships at, at, at every level. So um, yeah, I, mean, I just, I'm going to go with Isaiah Simmons here too, man. Like I know that our mocks are going to kind of be the same and we, you know, uh, people aren't going to get to see us fight over this. Um, <laughs> Here, 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 just yet, but yeah, dude. I think, uh, I think Isaiah Simmons, I'm going to put it in our sheet here. That is going to be my pick as well. And then, so we'll move on to the next one, which is the Arizona Cardinals. And I was, I was checking this earlier, Ben. Can you believe that it's like plus 450 that they go defense and uh, minus 600 that they go offense? They're the, the Arizona Cardinals are picking an offensive player now, it's just up to us to figure out which offensive player and at what position, because they could go tackle. Yeah. I mean, they could, they could go CD lamb here. You say, look, we're not going to get any time to work out with any new receivers. You know, Kyler's already, Kyler already, Kyler already has this with, with CD. He, like he already has the connection with, 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 with him. I just don't know after spending, I mean, last year, they, uh, last year they, you know, they drafted Hakeem Butler they drafted Andy Isabella. They drafted um, – oh, shit. Uh, what's the kid? Keish- from? Keyshawn? Keyshawn, yeah. Uh, Keyshawn, Keyshawn Johnson. Keyshawn's last name, Keyshawn Johnson. Yeah, the other Keyshawn. Cal. So, um, big haul of wide receivers last year. I'm not sure they're going to be able to keep doing that. Um, it feels like an offensive line pick to me. Where, well, where are you? Well, I haven't even, I haven't even yeah. Yeah, so, so real quick, I, I think you, you brought up a good point, and, and it actually breaks down to what Cliff Kingsbury is trying to do. No team ran more 10 personnel last season than the Cardinals. Uh, that's four receivers on the field at the same time. Uh, most teams don't do that very often. They were uh, well over, uh, I think, well over 15% in 10 personnel. So when you look at what that means, it means that they've got four receivers on the field at one time. So you've 
still got Christian Kirk. You just traded for DeAndre Hopkins. You still have Larry Fitzgerald probably for one last season. It wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world to bring in C.D. Lamb, who then takes over Larry Fitzgerald's role in the long term, because all three, all four guys are going to see the field. Uh, so it would be a very interesting pick to see if they, again, adding strength to strength, if, if you build around Kyler Murray, uh, adding another passing pass catching weapon is a possibility even after trading DeAndre Hopkins. Do I think that they do that? No. I think that they go with the right tackle. So they did just pay DJ Humphreys to play left long term. That means that they're looking for a right tackle only or right tackle uh, long term guy. When it comes down to it, I think it's going to be whoever the Giants don't take at four. So if they don't take uh, Tristan Wirfs, if the, if, if the Giants go Jedrick Willis at four, I think it just makes too much sense that the Cardinals would look for a right tackle prospect in Tristan Wirfs right there uh, uh, to plug in at right tackle. But this is probably uh, the most likely uh, trade-down scenario of, of the first eight picks in that the Cardinals, I believe, only have five picks entering uh, entering Thursday's draft. So if they are in a situation, I think that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are the, are the are a team that to watch out for right at 14 who could move up to eight for their offensive tackle for, for them to protect Tom Brady. Uh, so, you know, the, the combination or, or the, the connection between uh, Steve Kime in Arizona and Jason like at, at Tampa Bay, I think, uh, you know, they work together. They were uh, colleagues for many years in Arizona. I think that that connection could lead to a first round trade, uh, where Tampa Bay moves up for their tackle. If they don't, I think the Cardinals stay put and take Tristan Wirfs to tackle out of Iowa. All right, so hold on. Where Where is Cleveland picking? So Cleveland picks at 10. Was it 10? They're at 10. Which pick are we on now? We're on set. We're at 8. We're okay. Eight. Cleveland's going to take a tackle, right? So – or trade down, so that they're definitely so their tackle or trade down. I think they're going to be holding out. For, I, I I think they would like Worfs because Worfs, you you know better. They're pretty they're pretty analytically minded again, aren't they? Cleveland, they are they are. But but you do have to understand. Uh, you do have to remember that they just uh, they just signed Jack Conklin to a long term deal. So he's fixtured in as the long-term right tackle. If you're the Browns, you are looking for a left tackle only. So whether or not that's Andrew Thomas or Mekhi Becton or even trading down for an Ezra Cleveland, uh, you know, whether or not the, the, the Browns are looking at Wirfs or, say, Wills, I don't know if that's the best fit because those guys really only have experience at right tackle. Huh. Wirfs, Wirfs could play left. I think he could. could. And, some, and, right. and some scouts have, yeah, some scouts have even said he's a better guard. Uh, but you, oh, okay. you know, he, he does have the feet. Uh, yeah. Whether or not the Browns stay at ten and take their tackle, or move down and take a tackle that they prefer more, you know, there's a lot of buzz about Ezra Cleveland going to Cleveland uh, in a trade down scenario. So, so yeah, it, trying to figure out, like you know, I, I alluded to this earlier, it's very hard to figure out where these tackles were going to go. You can try to sort of uh, figure out which team needs a left tackle versus right tackle and associate that with what position a lot of these prospects played primarily in college. Uh, so to me, that indicates that the Cardinals would want to prioritize Wills or Wirfs at eight. Okay, fair enough. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna send them um, I'm gonna send them Wirfs, and uh, I believe 
you were you're sending them oh you're sending them worse too okay well uh so we're still i still haven't i still haven't diverted from here here's here's where i I divert from you next we have the jacksonville jaguars um clearly a team that dave call i mean i don't know dave caldwell we should never depend on him to do what we think he he should do he's done i mean i talked about lombardi earlier he's the one who says that the I'm not sure this is true, but he always says it that the Los Angeles Rams have more of Dave Caldwell's uh, draft picks on their roster than Dave Caldwell has on his. Um, the, we could see a draft day trade, maybe involving Leonard Fournette, but I don't think that that'll happen until you know the later rounds. I don't think he will come into play for any sort of talk here for this pick. For me, it's just too easy um, because you know Jalen Jalen Ramsey's gone. We have uh, – let me just – who do they even have at cornerback right now? So, yeah, A.J. Bouye uh, is also gone. Yeah, uh, like who do they even have right now? Is it, uh, is it just it, D.J. Hayden? Aaron, D.J. Hayden, Aaron Colvin. Um, you know, uh, they definitely need, need help at, at corner. Yeah, so uh, it's going to be C.J. Henderson is, 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 is my pick here. He's going to be and, in the top ten. Yeah, and, and I like that pick. I, I think uh, – so my prediction is Derek Brown, uh, the defensive tackle out of Auburn. But if, if Brown's not on the board, I think C.J. Henderson is de- is definitely being talked about for the Jaguars. And like you said, they definitely have a hole at corner. Um, I just think you know losing Calais Campbell, uh, you know potentially trading uh, Yannick Ngakwe, uh, mm-hmm. even after investing in a, a, a first, they're in trouble. And from that perspective, you know, Derek Brown, or Keith Cog, you know, a good uh, all all indications suggest he's a, he's a great a great character guy, uh, a good you know a guy to, a guy you would want to build a defensive line around, and, and a team that really looks like it's rebuilding from the front seven. Uh, I think Derek Brown's a nice value pick at, at number nine. Fair enough. All right, here we are to the final tenth one. Before we get into it, though, let's just let's go ahead and t- t- band tell everybody where they can find you on Twitter, where they can find your content, everything yeah, else they, that you're going to have here in the next uh, here here you know in the next couple of weeks, and then moving forward. Appreciate it. Yeah. So uh, so you can find my stuff at uh, M- on Twitter at mbandnfl. Uh, I had a few articles come out last week on nfl.com, uh, and one article coming out tomorrow. Uh, you can find a list of our the next gen stats. Uh, can't miss prospects based off of our analytics model uh, that we came up with for this season. Uh, it, it's essentially highlighting the six can't miss guys in the in the first round, the six potential high risk prospects in the first round, and then the standout starters and gems you can find in later uh, later on in the draft. So, yeah, it's uh, it. You know, uh, follow along all week long. I'll be posting my mock draft, team by team draft boards, and and really, it's just you know, it's been it's uh, it's draft week, and it's exciting to uh, that it's all finally coming to a head. I can't believe you. Uh, it's, <laughs> it says you're a much better looking trash man. <laughs> Mike Band has the best quarantine hair that I've ever seen. I was telling him before. I was telling him before we got on. Which he is, he he happens to have a roommate that's like a just like a hairstylist or something of course he's not even a hairstylist credit to uh to you and holden uh yeah. for, for giving me a you know a nice little two on the sides yeah nice yeah. not not much 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 better than a than, than, than byron's diy <laughs> um, oh no okay all right all right Cle- cleveland browns pick at 10 yeah 
I think they're going tackle. Um, and to, I mean, I'm going to I'm I'm going to send them the guy that you sent. Uh, the uh, I'm 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 going to send them Wills at uh, ten here. I don't know if he's going to fall that far. It's impossible for me to judge where these guys go, though. What do you think? Um, you send him a tackle. You think like what do you what do you think about the Browns are yeah. an interesting spot, man. It's, I th- look. I think that the offensive line has been an issue. Yeah. I mean, anytime last year, I mean, they had they had Desmond fucking Harrison last year that like couldn't even play for Charlie Strong at Texas and had to go play JUCO somewhere as their starting starting left tackle after Joe Thomas gets out. I, you you got your franchise quarterback. You have a bunch of really good pieces in place offensively. If you get Conklin, you can shore up the other side. That's like to me. Um, I, that's the way that I always love to the, see a team, you know, being built. And I, I think it, an analytically driven organization might might feel the same way. So, uh, of course, we know that analytically, analytically driven uh, um, uh, franchises also love to trade down. Though yeah. I could I could see that. What, what do you what do you what do you think? I I, I think if this good of tackle, these tackles are good, and some good ones are going to fall there at ten. They're they're going to have a tough decision on their hands. Yeah, uh, certainly. I think it's either Andrew Thomas or a trade down. Um, like you alluded to, uh, like we've been talking about, they added Conklin, so they do need someone to fit, fill in the left tackle role long term. Uh, so you got to, again, look at where these guys played in college. Uh, Andrew Thomas, premier left tackle for Georgia for many years. Um, he would be the guy that would be next on the board or, or potentially the top left tackle prospect on team's boards. This is an interesting uh, part in the draft where you could see the Browns trade down from 10. Uh, a lot of buzz has come out recently that they, uh, that they really like Ezra Cleveland, uh, the left tackle out of Boise State, um, who's receiving a lot of buzz. So a, a trade that, I, that could happen uh, would be the Dolphins move up from 18 to 10. Uh, they jumped the Jets to would be looking at Andrew Thomas. Uh, they get their left tackle of the future to pair up with Justin Herbert. Uh, and, and really, when you put the two, when you leave the top ten as uh, if as the Miami Dolphins with Herbert and, and Andrew Thomas, you got to feel good about the future of your offense. Uh, with that said, there are other teams that could be looking to move up as well. Uh, the Broncos could be an interesting trade up uh, candidate for Jerry Judy uh, from fifteen to ten, and then in. in in the case uh, of this scenario, C.J. Henderson's available. So you could see the Falcons move up from 16 to 10 as well to take their corner. Uh, again, the Bucks could be moving, uh, could also be looking to move up for Andrew Thomas or, uh, or for, uh, for Mekhi Becton. So I think that the 10th pick, especially with the analytically savvy uh, Browns front office, uh, this is a prime spot for a trade down.
If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. 